Well, Happy New Year, church. It's great to see that so many of you actually got out of your bed today, the first Sunday of the year, and came here. It was really helpful that it wasn't minus 1,055 today, wasn't it? Boy, has it been cold. And have you ever noticed that no matter how many layers you're wearing, you're still colder than your dog? It's like, well, you hurry up and pee, you know? I need to get back in the house. No, they would go, they would, they would be out there all day, limping about in the cold and so on. What a relief it was. This morning, I got up, the dog wanted out. I put my 15 layers on or whatever it is I've been doing recently. And I walked out the door and it was like the Bahamas. Not quite, but it was almost there, you know? And so I thought maybe a few people will actually show up at church today. So give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> now, for those of you that are still in your PJs at home, we are glad you joined us online. But I just want to say right now, we are doing communion today. So why don't you just take a moment right now at home to go and find the remnants of your Christmas mulled wine or whatever you've got there. And... Uh, uh, you know, uh, Yorkshire pudding or something like that for a, a wafer and bring it to wherever you're watching this, the TV, the computer, your phone, wherever you are, and you can join with us at home as we take communion together. Now today, I do not really have a message as such today. We're having a family service. We've got the kids in and we're taking communion together. So Instead of a message, I basically have a few devotional thoughts to help us realign our hearts with God because, you know, the new year is a time when people make new year resolutions and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, it lasts for 21 days. Uh, and it, Well, actually, if you could make it last for 21 days, scientifically, apparently, you can stick to it. Obviously, they don't last for 21 days. You give up before then. But if you're going to resolve to do anything at the beginning of this year, it might be a good idea that we all resolve today to realign our hearts with God, with His plans, His will, His blessings, and His purpose in our life. And so that's what we want to do today. And so I, I'm talking about... Um, Today, just very shortly, but next week and the following week, we will do a proper message and we will unpack it a little bit more. So we're going to be talking about all of the newness that God brings into our lives. We're going to talk next week a little bit more about new beginnings, how our God is a God of new beginnings and fresh starts and second chances and third chances and fourth chances and 25th chances. God is a God who can wipe the, the slate clean and help us to start afresh. And maybe it might be good to start afresh at the beginning of 2022. And then in the following week, we're going to look at new things. Behold, I do a new thing, says the Lord. Are you not aware of it? So we will look at that scripture and we will look at some of the new things that God wants to do in our lives this year and how 
to become aware of them so that we can flow with them, new things and new beginnings. But today, we're talking about a new covenant, a new covenant. We're gonna take communion, and communion is the symbol of the new covenant. So first of all, we need to know what a covenant is. What is a covenant? It's not a word that's used a lot today. It used to be used a lot. We, we now think of it as a religious term because you will probably hear it in church more than anywhere else. But it's not a religious term. It's a term that can be applied and used to be used a lot more frequently in society. A covenant is a legally binding agreement between two parties. It's a legally binding agreement between two parties. So for instance, marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. And in fact, sometimes you'll hear people talk about the marriage covenant, but it's not so common today. People will talk about the marriage ceremony, which is actually when the covenant is enacted. Um, but the marriage covenant is this, a bride and a groom make vows of commitment to one another in the presence of witnesses from their families and in the presence of God so that God himself and their families can all testify that this was a covenant that was made, a legally binding contract. And if you look at marriage around the world and every culture of the world throughout history, you will discover that marriage has always been a religious ceremony. It has always been something that was done in the presence of witnesses, particularly the family members of the two people making the covenant, and in the presence of God. Whatever culture, whatever name they gave to the deity, they would say that God or the great spirit is witnessing this, so you have to, you cannot break it. In some cultures, they would even say, and the spirits of our ancestors are also witnessing it, or something like that. But the idea is that living people who are related to the two people making the covenant and the heavens are listening to this covenant and therefore it is legally binding and cannot be broken. Now, I know we have a different view of marriage today because a couple of hundred years ago, governments decided to get in on the marriage game. They never did before, like it was a religious thing before. But you know, politicians, they sat there thinking, all these weddings that are going on in churches and in synagogues and in temples, there must be a way we can tax that. A marriage license. Now you're not legally married. And, let, and so governments then, but forget them. They don't know anything they're talking about. What they're talking about is a civil partnership. And they use the religious name of marriage to it. But in every culture, marriage is a covenant. It's a covenant, right? A legally binding covenant. That's why in the Bible, marriage imagery is used a lot. Christ is the groom and we, the church, are his bride. Now, I know some guys struggle with that. Oh, I don't want to be Jesus' wife, you know. I, 
But don't worry, guys. The ladies have to put up with being sons of God. There isn't any daughters of God in the Bible. I know you say, I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a princess, a daughter of the king. No, you're a son of God too. I'm sorry. Everyone who's a Christian is a son of God, and everyone who's a Christian is also the bride of Christ, okay? And so the reason that imagery is used is because what it's saying is, this is like marriage, you know? Jesus died on the cross in the presence of God and before witnesses to purchase, uh, to pay our dowry, to purchase us, and to bring us out of darkness and into the light that we are now one with him in a binding covenant. So here's another way to think about covenant. Marriage is one way. Here's another way to think about it. The last covenant that you will ever be able to leave is the one that you write or your lawyer writes it and you sign it before you die, okay? And what is that called? That's called the last will and the last will and testament. Isn't it interesting that the Bible is made up of the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is another word for the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Sometimes people say, I just don't know what God's will is. Well, why don't you read his will? He left you a will. The last will and testament of Jesus Christ, the New Testament. If you want to know what God's will is, read the will and you will find out what he left you in the will. Now, sometimes people do read the will and they say, oh, look at all the blessings God's got for us. There's forgiveness for our sins. There's peace for our mind. There's healing. There's provision. There's guidance. Oh, there's his love that we can experience. Won't it be good when we die and get to heaven and we can experience his blessings? Well, that's a weird will. Imagine your grandfather left you a will when he died. And you read it and it says, I leave you my old, you know, Maserati or whatever he's got. But you can't get it till you die. You don't get, you don't get your inheritance when you die. You get your inheritance when the person who gave you it died. Right? I know this is really simple, but you're following me, aren't you? If someone dies and they leave you an inheritance in the will, you get it right away. Am I correct? You don't wait till you die. Well, where did we get this notion that all the blessings of God are in heaven and we get them when we die? No, we got them when he died. When he died on the cross, he left us the new covenant, the new testament, the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. Everything that it is God's will for you to experience is in the will. And you get it when he died. And no crooked lawyer 
or corrupt priest is going to rob you of it because then he came back to life again and he says, I'm now the lawyer and I will make sure that you do get all of the, th may his blessings be upon you, we just sang. Not may they be stored up in one day in the sweet by and by in the pie in the sky, one day when I die, I might get a blessing. No, I mean, like, we get the blessings now and they last forever and ever and ever. Amen. And so, God wants you to live in the idea of newness this year, that you're part of a new covenant. Now, you might think, yeah, but the new covenant was made 2,000 years ago and I became a Christian 22 years ago. And so, it's not like, and, and I failed since then. And so, I don't feel like it's all new. I will show you this next week. I don't have time to go into it today, but I'll just show you this next week and I'll mention it just now. You know that verse, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation? That is written in a particular tense in the Greek that we don't have in English. And basically what it means is, at any given moment, it's new. It's new. Oh, I messed up. It's new again. Oh Lord, I messed up. It's new again. You are constantly being renewed by the Lord. And that's what the new covenant is all about. Let's look at the book of Hebrews. It says this, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors, when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. So there's the old covenant and there's the new covenant, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the new one is not going to be like the old one. Because in the old one, God would say, if you do A, B, and C, you will get X, Y, and Z. Oh, that's great. However, if you're naughty, and you do one, two, and three, you're going to get eight, nine, and ten. Oh, I don't want that. And so you had to be faithful to the covenant, right? There's only one problem with that. We're all, we're all fallen sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And as human beings, you and me, have a great propensity to messing things up. Have you ever noticed that? If you've never ever noticed it about yourself, have you noticed it about your spouse? <laughs> we all have a great propensity to mess things up and not be faithful. And in the old covenant, this covenant will not be like the old one that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant. So I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. Instead of us trying to to live up to some set of rules that in our heart we don't really want to do it. You know, that's what religion is. Religion is saying to somebody, you have to do A, B, C, and D to please God and make him happy. 
And the person in their heart is saying, I don't really want to do it, but I'll try, I'll try to keep up with everybody else. That's religion. But the new covenant is when God actually changes your heart so that now you want to live for him. You want to know him. You grieve in your heart when you do the wrong thing. You don't want to do the wrong thing. You long to run to him. He says, and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. It's not like an outward thing that you're going to say to somebody. If you want to know God, you have to do this. It's an internal thing where God transforms our hearts. He says, for they will all know the Lord from the least to the greatest. They will know me already. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete it is now out of date and will soon pass away. When they wrote this, he was writing, it will soon pass away because the temple was still standing in Jerusalem and the old covenant sacrifices were still taking place. But within a few years, the Romans invaded, wiped it out and there was no sign of the old covenant. It did pass away. And now we live only in a new covenant a new test. We live in the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. And he died to leave us an inheritance. And then he rose again from the dead to be with us and to ensure that we experience the inheritance that he has for us. And so we're going to take communion together. We're going to read another passage of scripture about communion on the table in front of you, you have these little communion cups. These are our pandemic-friendly cups. And I'm going to just encourage you because, like, they are not easy to open. Either that or I'm a big dummy. I don't know which, but I get it wrong. You, if, you grab, if you grab it and pull it, you'll lose the wafer. And then you have to use your teeth to rip it open. So just get yourself ready. Peel the top one off very carefully. And you have access to the wafer. And then it will be easy to peel the second one off. And if you're at home, go and get your cranberry juice and your naan bread or whatever you're using right now. And we're going to come together. We're going to read this scripture. And this is what, Je this is what Jesus did with his disciples. It was the last thing Jesus did before he died. And it is the first thing we're doing at the beginning of this year, okay? Luke chapter 22, when the time came, Jesus and his apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus is here with us. We are seated, you've got little tables in front of you. If you're at home, you're probably seated too. And Jesus said, wherever two or more gather together in his name, he is there in the midst. So we are like Jesus' disciples. We are like Jesus' followers. And Jesus is seated with us. By the way, being seated is a position of rest. Do you know that in heaven, Jesus is seated? The Bible says he sits at the right hand of the Father. 
Why does he sit and not stand and move about? Why is he seated? Because he has totally finished his work. He was born, he lived, he taught, he healed, he died, he rose again, he ascended to heaven and he poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit upon his church and now he is seated. He is seated with us. We can rest. We are not trying to earn God's approval. He did that for us. We can rest in the finished work of Christ. Look, he was seated together at the table and Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And then he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Let's read on. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body, which <coughs> is given for you. If you can imagine a loaf of bread, it would have been flat bread actually, Think of like a, you know, a, a big flat bread and that symbolized Jesus' body. And then as it's broken into pieces and each piece is given to one of the disciples, it symbolizes Jesus' body being broken on the cross. And then he said, so do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the What? This cup is the new covenant. This thing, this new covenant, the last will and testament of Jesus Christ, God's amazing will for your life and what he did to redeem you so that you can live in that well, all of it is summed up in this. It's all summed up in this. His body was broken and his blood was shed so that we can be redeemed. And the reason we eat and drink of it is to symbolize that we are now joined to him. Hey, he is in us and we are in him. And so it says here, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, illegally binding contract between two parties. Now, do you think that God's a crook? Do you think God might be a criminal or something? Do you think he makes legal documents and then tries to wriggle out of them? He's maybe got an angel that's a super lawyer that is able to say, well, the punctuation was here and not there, so you can get... No, he's not. Look, this is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed in blood. You know, another thing they do in cultures around the world is they do the blood brother thing. You know, they have covenants. In some cultures, they will cut their hand and they will both drip blood into, a, into wine and then they will drink it each. In other ones, they will cut their hands and rub them together. I remember when I was a child, me and my friend watched this cowboy movie 
and there were blood brothers in it, and they cut their thumbs and they mixed their blood together. And so uh, we were in his garage and we found this rusty old exacto knife that was covered in glue. And we were like, let's become blood brothers. And we did it. I mean, I don't know what diseases are still flowing through my body from that, but boy, we did it. And we became blood brothers and that was it. And, we, and now if one of us was getting bullied, the other one would jump in as well. You know, we were blood brothers. Do you know that you're blood brothers with Jesus Christ? God is your father. Jesus is your eldest brother and he shed his blood to redeem you. And now if the enemy picks a fight with you, he picks a fight with Jesus. So look, he says, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. For it has been determined that the son of man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? Then the disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? We're going to, we're going to do this now. I would like you to, to take the communion in your hands. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back out. And you can just remain seated, but get yourself ready. I'm going, I'm going to open the cup as well. And in a moment, we will pray over the bread and over the wine. It's a rice wafer and some grape juice. That's what it is. <laughs> but it's a symbol of what Jesus did. Let's hold the bread in our hand and let's say this prayer. Let's say together, Father God, I thank you for Jesus, for his life, his death, and his resurrection. Thank you for calling me by name bringing me into your family, forgiving me and saving me. As I take this bread, I think of Jesus' broken body, broken for me. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. By his wounds, I am healed and made whole in Jesus' name. Let's take the bread together. Now let's hold the wine in our hands. And let's say together, Father God, wash me clean from every sin, from all my mistakes. Make me new by the blood of Jesus, which was shed for me. I believe it and I receive it right here and right now in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup together. Then let's all stand together.
we have taken the symbols of the covenant of the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. We're now gonna sing this song again. We're gonna be singing the words over ourselves and over one another and over our families. And what we're saying is all of the blessings that come from the new covenant, we receive them right now. And we pass them on to everybody else in Jesus' name. Let's sing together.